What's good people, it's Ocean here, welcome to the Ocean Podcast. I'm thinking of actually changing that name, maybe to Pod by Ocean, I don't know, maybe, let me know what you think. Today, this is episode number nine, I think, and we've got Busy Works Beats, who in my opinion is probably like the pioneer when it comes to tutorials on YouTube. Your favourite producer has probably been taught by Busy Works Beats. He has so many, so many videos and tutorials on YouTube and he's been in this for many, many years. So it's good to have a conversation with him. We talked a lot about a lot of business stuff and yeah, it was quite, it was quite a deep conversation. I think, you, I think you're definitely going to enjoy this one. If you're listening to the podcast on your phone or you're watching it on YouTube, take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram stories, tag me and I'm going to be reposting everyone this week. But yeah, let's get straight to the podcast. I hope you enjoy this one. Ocean Gango Drown. What's good, people? Welcome back to the Ocean Podcast. This is, I can't remember what episode, but today we have got the godfather, in my opinion, of producer producers on YouTube. We got Busy Works Beats. What's good, bro? Thank you, man. Thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> it's cool to Yeah, you're that. definitely, definitely like, the pioneer of this whole this whole thing of what it's turned into for sure I, I just love that like the leaders of what we do like the people who stand out i love that like you guys know me like we're not like foreigners or anything it's like you already know me so we can have a conversation and it's not this forced thing so that's what i i love more yeah. is that just familiarity you know what i'm saying because you were in my subscriber list before we ever had a chance to meet through uh jack Mm-hmm. Was it Jack? Yeah, it was Jack. I think. Yeah, through Jack, we was gonna do that. That vi- the video that might still be coming. We'll see. For what do you mean? The the producer, the four producers one. Oh, you know what? Wow, I completely forgot about that video. <laughs> that literally slipped my mind completely. I thought you were talking about something else. Me and Jack talked about. I'm like, how do you? How do you know? Ah, okay, that's some other secret. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what? Okay, nah, but man. Uh, yeah, and it's always like somebody who introduces somebody, and then you meet four other mm-hmm. people, and then so that's how this thing works. So I mean, how, so I know how I know the grind of like being home, staring at your laptop, and it's just like you're talking to a wall. It feels so lifeless. Yeah. So when did you start kind of branching out to try and like really get tied in with people? Uh, probably, I'd say like this year. To be honest, I'll tell you what. Because I always had this feeling that no one knew me. I was just, as you said, still just doing my thing. So I was literally just doing that, just doing my thing until people started reaching out. And then I realised, oh wait, people actually do watch my videos. And then through that, you meet one person and you meet the next person. And then, yeah, you kind of just get into this world of like producers online, on YouTube especially. Indeed. And it's like for you, like I was subscribed before we even made that contact. We didn't even our intentions wasn't even to meet. It just so happens that I already knew you from uh, that little small group that we had. And because you were always on my feed, like, you know, it was always logic pro based stuff. So you had that advantage. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember you always doing like, you know, pictures where it's like this. And like pointing towards the pointing towards the computer or like some kind of arrow yeah. or something, so I was like, okay, he's he gets the thumbnail game with the arrows and the circles and all the <laughs> secret stuff. Those red arrows definitely do work for sure. <laughs> right. So I said he's a player in the game, and I've been you know keeping tabs uh, just mm-hmm. along the way because there's there's very few people who can do it like this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So how you feel? So let, let's. I, I'm feeling good, man. Like I cannot complain, as you say. I can. I can definitely not complain. Living, living what is a dream, I guess. Being able to just make beats when you want, cook up, make videos. Yeah. So for somebody, how about you? I'm good. I'm good over here because I know it's a little bit different overseas, but. I was asking because mm. I know the grind of like, you know, that feeling of every video has to deliver, like it has to hit. Do you know what I mean? By oh, that? yeah, for sure. And it's like I'm definitely feeling that, that at the moment. moment. You know, like, you, you know, the game YouTube is always like up and down and up and down. Sometimes you put out videos and in YouTube, it has that ranking. So it'd be like number one, number one, number two, number one. And you're feeling, oh, yeah, I can't miss whatever I put out is going to bang. And then you have those weeks where everything you put out is like number 10, number nine, number 10, lower down in the ranking. And you're thinking like, damn, I need to do something here to switch it up, to to knock out the park. I feel like at the moment, I'm definitely trying to like figure out, trying to come up with some new ideas, keep it fresh. But it's the game, I guess. I know what you mean. It's like you'll have these, I think it comes down to energy and your emotional balance because like, if I go to seminars, like business seminars, like um, in Atlanta or something, and I come back and I'm super filled with this energy, and then I'll create one or two videos that absolutely hit every single time. And then mm-hmm. I'll kind of get into the regular, what it used to be type of thing, and then my videos just are kind of stagnating. Yeah. I, I don't even think it's like an SEO thing or like a topic thing. I think it's a, an energy thing. And the reason I'm saying this okay. is because I'll I'll mm-hmm. have moments where I'm in that moment of like, okay, let me work hard on the thumbnail, you know, do the video editing and yeah. all this hard work. And then it's like, okay, it's going to hit because it's a, it's a great idea. Then the next idea, then you run, you run out of ideas or that invisible thing called energy. So it's mm-hmm. not that we're running out of ideas. It's that we're lacking the energy input is my point. Okay. That's an interesting perspective. It gets deep. We could talk YouTube stuff. I mean, it's as deep as you want to go. But I mean, I'm here to follow your lead as far as what your audience wants to. Let's take it wherever. <laughs> There's no rules. So when did you, what was that first moment where you said, okay, this is my defining moment of moving forward. Like this is what brings the momentum. The first time. Um, The first time. I think from the beginning, to be honest, I've always just been, I didn't give myself much expectations in the beginning. It was just like, let's put out these videos. They're not going to like bang or do good numbers or anything in the beginning. But I just knew that the more I kept on doing it, the more like the snowball will keep building up and building up, the more the momentum would build. So I kind of just had that from the beginning. Just I, I, like to, I like making content, so it wasn't that hard. Just keep making the content, let the momentum build and build and keep going really mm-hmm. I'm, that's awesome that you got that from the jump because usually what happens is like we'll do a bunch of stuff and then something will pop off and then people have to make that decision of okay do we do that thing that popped off over and over again like let's say you're yeah ch- i see what you mean like the one it, it's it's really easy to get stuck in that so let's say you get a viral hit and it's a specific kind of formula i guess People definitely get stuck in doing that formula over and over and over again. To be honest, I'll tell you what. I've been messing around with TikTok and I had one that popped off. And it was it was kind of the similar thing of it was this it was a specific style. So I just kept on doing that, doing that, doing that over and over. 
until I can't I can't really do it anymore. I've kind of exhausted that as much as possible. I've grown it to where it can be taken there, but yeah. Yeah, TikTok is is very random. Like I'm still trying to figure it out. I kind of gave up on my push because it was kind of the return mm-hmm. on my time wasn't the greatest, but it's it's on YouTube. What I meant by that is that my channel started off making these. It was beats, then it went to tutorials, then it went to uh the thing that first popped off was a um a Jay-Z beat remake for Tom Ford okay. instrumental. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You remember that uh, album uh, Magna Carta Holy Grail? Yeah, yeah. That was like 2013, I think, 2012 somewhere. Era. Era. So my question was like, do I continue to make beat remakes or do I fall back on what I've been doing, which is the tutorial stuff? So I was like, do I chase that high? Or, but so, but if I didn't have that moment, the attention wouldn't have been brought onto the channel for the other cool stuff. So it's like, yeah. so I mean, maybe people are struggling with, you know, how to, what are they going to do for their channel? Like, what advice would you give somebody who has no idea how to be different? Honestly, in the, it's a tough question, but honestly, I'd say you have to just throw a lot of things at the wall, see what does stick and go with what sticks and then kind of ride that wave until you until you start to find yourself and what you actually enjoy doing and maybe branch off and and start to try and incorporate that into what you're doing oh yeah yeah i can 100 percent agree people don't understand how many videos do you have probably around 300 you probably got thousands right but yeah you're in the hundreds though so I think we're, I, I might check. It's near 3,000, something like that. But my point is, um, we wouldn't know what good is if we didn't produce mm-hmm. so much stuff. Well, you're doing more. Yeah, for sure. If I did your type of video, it would take a longer time. So you have to divide 3,000 by, you know, whatever the factor is. Because the type of videos you do take time. You got to edit. You got to, like, you said you're mm-hmm. using a camera to record right now. So I'm just using the web. How do you camera. usually do your videos? Do you just have the webcam and screen and bam mm-hmm. and i used to edit a lot and like cut out pauses and all that then i'm like i just it's like freestyling like in rap mm, you yeah. ever do you rap <laughs> no not really <laughs> he said not really but uh you know sometimes when you're in the booth if you start writing all the time mm-hmm. you'll like start fitting in words that don't fit and you're like trying to force it in so sometimes yeah. freestyling is better in the studio than to write so the same thing with video it's like i'd it'd be better if i just hit record said what I got to say, hit stop, then mm-hmm. to hit record, go through this script and like yeah. edit everything. It just, it doesn't come out right. Well, that's a, that, that is a lot faster. That will definitely cut down your editing time for sure. Just bang them out, bang them out. So you keep the people entertained. So you got to, what's your secrets as far as like keeping people engaged? Is there like a, do you move the camera every three seconds? Do you zoom? I try to do, well, I, I don't really have like um, a secret or such. I, I do do that though, move the camera a lot, different angles. Um, I'm always like flicking between the screen and my face, back and forth. Um, I start putting in drone shots just to like switch it up a bit more as well. I still think I'm definitely trying to find my own style. I'm always trying to develop that, but yeah, it, it's just a, a mixture of things. To be honest, I'll tell you, I definitely take a lot of um, influence from, like, the fitness guys. Like, um, you ever heard of, like, Christian Guzman or 
uh, like Brandon Harden, these they're like fitness influencers who have massive YouTube channels, but all their all their content is very cinematic, and they manage they manage to engage people who are like just the general audience really. But with their but with their videos, they have like like very cinematic, different shots and all that. So I'm kind of trying to take inspiration from there and put it more into the producing stuff as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's very yeah. We're getting mastermind <laughs> notification. I definitely yeah. agree. Um, the uh, what was I saying? It, it's it's beneficial to study the top people, but just keep in mm-hmm. mind for those who are watching this or listening to the podcast or watching it on YouTube, is that when you take from the top people, it works because they already have a name and they could just type in the title like "We're selling our house," you know, or whatever. But they can mm-hmm. do that because they already have the audience and it, they're just following them. Yeah. So it's a, there's different rules for people who are already established. But yeah, you're right about that. I'd age. say like in in the beginning, stuff like tutorials definitely help to build a core audience because they're very searchable. They're very SEO friendly. Like how to make a a beat in Logic Pro X or how to make jazzy chords in FL Studio. Those things are like very searchable. So if you're a beginner, I'd definitely recommend starting from there for sure. Indeed, and I think I found. Or I, what caught your, my attention from your channel was it was either Bryson Tiller or like a Tory Lanez video, and you did some chord progression. And I was like, "What is that?" Like I had to pause. I remember pausing the video, and mm-hmm. like either I copied the chords or like I looked at the structure of your chords. Something, something like that. It was like that type of moment, and I was mm-hmm. like, the, "The beat was fire." I'm gonna go back and see if I can find <laughs> it and send it to you. It had to be like yeah. maybe a year ago because time flies, but. It was a while ago when I found that. So, so okay, I, I wish I knew what I did there. Honestly, probably just penciled in like a bunch of notes. Let me ask you: for people who, uh, oh, you just did it by ear, you mean? For people who, yeah. um, oh, type beats. This is a big thing in the producer community right now. Is like, how do they get attention if they have no brand? And should people mm. leverage type beats? Like, should they do that just for marketing and just to get known? What do you think? Man, I'm so kind of removed from the tight beat game that I don't know. I'm. Sh- I think it still works. There's definitely people killing it and selling a lot of tight beats, and it's definitely a way to get found on YouTube. But I think there is a lot of people who are uploading tight beats and not getting much success with it. And there's so much factors. Maybe the quality of the beat is not that good. Maybe the keyword that they're going after is just way too crowded. But it still works for some people. It's a tough one. What do you think? True. Um, I don't because me and Oracle uh, Sound Oracle were talking about this the other day. He he uh, mm-hmm. sound designed for like Timbaland and Polo to Don and all, of, and we were just talking about it because he's from a different generation. So that's why I asked you. Is because the tight beat thing for him, he was up under Timbaland, so he's trying to create his own name. So if he yeah. always made, if he was always up under Timbaland, he wouldn't have the shine that he has today. So like mm-hmm. the way he looks at it is like, okay, if you're using tight beats, it's going to be hard to, to separate yourself from the fame of like, like, did you, do you watch producer grind? Yeah. Okay. They had, uh, Ant Chamberlain on there. Did you see that interview by any chance? Oh, I was watching that today actually. Yeah. I didn't finish it, but I got to the part where he started talking about, like he started getting serious money from selling tight beats. 
he talked about something so specific. Like he was so specific with the type beats. It wasn't just like everybody type beats. It was like G Herbo type beats, and that was mm-hmm. his claim to fame. And then he leveraged G Herbo's name to like I guess make his own name. But yeah. Oracle was asking about like okay, if we do Drake type beats our whole career, and then we want to separate from like you know be known for something else. How do we do that without having to always create Drake? And when Drake is gone, as far as like making music. Will you mm-hmm. ha- will will they still have a name? I think that's so. That's the problem. So how do we detach from like the thing? Like for example, your channel majority is like Logic X, uh, Pro X. Mm-hmm. My MacBook crashed, so I used to dabble, but my <laughs> MacBook is like it won't even turn on. I'm gonna find it one day. Um, yeah. So like, do you have you ever felt this? Is like people th- sometimes think of you as the Logic guy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's like, I'm not the Logic guy. Like, I can do way more than Logic, but it's like, that's all mm-hmm. they know. So, it, it, yeah, it, it's... I feel like for the type beat guys, though, it's it's not really... Um, I don't know, I've never really heard, like, Cash Money AP being described as the young fuck type beat guy. Or, I don't know who else is killing it in the type beat game, but... It just seems like a good, a good starting point to come up off, you know. For some people, you start with the tight beats, you get no, t- not everyone, but maybe your beat gets picked up by an up and coming up and coming rapper who makes the next hit with it. Then you leverage that to go to other places in different directions and that. But that that's the thing. That's a that's a definitely, I think, a new school way. Rappers are looking for tight beats on YouTube. Most rappers go to YouTube to find beats, so it's definitely a way to be found. It's just a lot of a lot of beats are there. Mm-hmm. You're right, and and you made a good point. Cash Money AP. It'd be dope to have him on your podcast because he could break down how he gets treated on the industry side. Like, was he mm-hmm. kind of cast to the side as just a tight beat producer, or like, how do people yeah. look at him perception wise in that? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's you're right, it's a marketing thing. But at some point, we're all going to have to face this kind of rebrand moment where it's like, okay, I'm more than just that type of video or that type of music or whatever. There's going to be that moment. Yeah, for so, sure. So what's your vision for like your brand? Where do you want to take it? I'm just trying to, I guess have like an all-round personal brand, but that comes from music. Like my main thing will always be music production, music, making beats. But I want to be able to one day be able to put out that video, say, I just moved house and the views will still bang. Because people are there for me, not just how to make a beat on Logic Pro X. And be able to go in different directions, whatever different directions I do when I go. Um, of course, I definitely want to get placements. Maybe even make my own music. But I think I just want to build a really strong personal brand around mainly music. I love that. And yeah, a great person to study who can possibly take your idea to the next level is this uh, rapper. Her name is Snow the Product. Now, at first, you're mm-hmm. like, okay you know, loving hip hop type of rapper. But if you really study her engagement with her audience, with her live streams on YouTube and like the way she does her personal branding, 
it will mm-hmm. open up a different level of what you're trying to accomplish. Because now she's running a multi, actually, I don't want to say her numbers, but let's say it's six plus, I think she's in the seven figures. I don't know her revenue, but she has gotten past the seven figure mark off of her personal brand because she's an artist and she has merchandise and she has a bunch yeah. of back end stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And she's super successful with it. And I learned how to connect better with my audience through just watching her. And I'm sure you can, you know, watch yeah. the fitness guys and all this type of stuff as well. Um, so that's just a little side piece. But so that's where you want to take it. So what type of arms to your brand would you like to pull in? So you said you want people to be interested when you move. But what will you be doing? Like, is it just you'll be doing music? It's what, in terms of like the content and, and that? Yeah, will it just be like a life in music? Like, what will be the... The premise is always going to be around making music. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost like a journey, really. If you go back to the early, early videos, it's literally me in my grandma's spare room with boxes in the back, just making beats on my laptop on a pile of books to, like, steady, getting better, better equipment, just, like, always leveling up. So I want it to be more of, like, you follow this journey. And then... I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but maybe in five years' time, I have, like, a massive studio, and I'm working with this artist and that artist, and people want to see that kind of progression, I guess. Like, almost like some inspirational kind of thing. Got you. Like, yeah. a, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Casey Neistat? Is that his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, the go-to example. But, so, do yeah, you he's, products? like, the, the, most, the most famous vlogger, probably. Oh, oh, of course. Do you now? Let me ask. Do you have uh, products you can leverage? Meaning, like um, know, kits or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sell my my sample kits and that. Um, we'll do. I'll do merch in the future for sure. Maybe dabbling some plugins and that. But right now, it's just sample kits. But before I ask you what your goal is and everything. Let's take it like all the way back, all the way back to the beginning. We probably should have done this at the beginning, but it's all good. Let's take it back to like busy works beats come up and and how you got started doing music and that. Oh, uh, well, I'll kind of cut out the junk part, which is like the practice part, which took years. But um, it all started in my mom's extra bedroom. All I had was a laptop and a dream, literally like just sitting there feeling so depressed, like the ceiling of the room felt like the ceiling to my life. Like I felt trapped um, and it was dangerous depression. Like not that I was mm-hmm. like, you know, going crazy or anything, but I just couldn't understand a way out. Cause I went to university for pre-med. I started a pre-med mm-hmm. club sophomore year. So that's kind of where I understood entrepreneurship. I got to learn it for like what it is. I never knew about it. Yeah. And that's so you I, wanted to be a doctor at one point then. Yeah. I took, I studied for the MCATs and everything. It was, it was, which is the doctor test over here. And yeah. um, just feeling like a robot study, and I felt like superhuman. But what I feel you, because um, when I was a teenager, I was trying to apply to med school as well. Because in in England, it's just a five year undergraduate course, rather than like you have to study an undergrad, then you do like pre med or whatever. In the US, I think, but yeah, here it's just straight five years once you finish high school equivalent. So I was trying to I was trying to get into med school as well so i understand that 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 grand that studying that's why any fellow any time somebody says they study biology physics you know even nursing i'm like mm. hats off to you because that was those were the hardest majors in the entire school mm-hmm. and 
and so along that path, I had a roommate sophomore year. We wanted to start a fraternity, but the fraternity had a bad history. So we had so we had that energy to build something. Like we wanted to start a business. I didn't know what that energy meant at the time. So we ended mm-hmm. up starting a, a club called the Pre Med Club. It won the best club of the year, the first year, and then it doubled in size the next year from 200 to, I think, 400 members in, in a year. And yeah, in a, two years or a year and a half under our guidance. And all I was doing was just having confidence because all the kids were smarter than, the, than me in the class. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting there pitching them. I didn't know all this stuff at the time. I'm just trying to convince 200 kids at a time, like, hey, guys, if we all join forces together, we'll have greater benefits. And we created internships at hospitals. We brought in doctor experts, uh, did community outreach with no money, like literally no money. Um, and it was a beautiful thing because I learned about having a team. We had a team of like at least eight people. Um, you know, yeah. I had a partner. We had a, that power struggle of like who wanted to be the club president because w- this is such a deep story. But I was basically running the club, but he was the face of the club because Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went. Let's be honest. I went to a ninety-seven percent white school, and you know they're not going to fully, 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 you know, back me as their president unless because Obama. I don't think he was out at that time, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it was a little more difficult to you know convince the people. But I would be the guy getting people to sign up for this club, and mm-hmm. I was doing all the hard work, bringing in the doctors. All I did was pick up the phone, call a random doctor I did not know, and convince them to come in. Some flew in to come speak uh, for the club and share secrets and kind of like the stuff we're doing now. Um, yeah. And it's just dope to know that that existed. So I always had that in the back of my head. So when I graduated, I'm like, why am I trying to kill myself and study another four years? Like you said, cause it's different in America. You got to study four years, then four years, then like two years. And it's so much time. I'm oh, like, wow, that's yeah, that's long. Like I would still probably be in school if I was in med- <laughs> in the medicine. Field. Yeah. And it's mad. And I'm just like, do I want to throw away another four years of my life to study for a test that's going to take another mm-hmm. four years? And I'm just like, I got to figure out something. So student loans were coming and that pushed my back against the wall because I had to make something happen. So I'm like, Free, yeah. this $200 bill, I don't even have a job. All I have was YouTube kind of coming mm-hmm. in over time and, and going back a little bit. My senior year, I had to supplement my uh, meal plan, which I didn't have. Meaning like food that's provided to you for senior year. I didn't have that. So I had to like, you know, I, you know, I grew up in a home that didn't even couldn't afford that. So I had to literally live off of the YouTube revenue that was coming in. Plus, I was working like a they call it work study over here, which is like an on campus job. And uh, so that was supplementing my like life. So I was kind of relying on YouTube to live uh, that whole last year of college or university. So after I got out. I was like, okay, I'm making money on YouTube. Why don't I just go all in? Like, I already have been making money, but what if I try harder? And then that's when, you know, it went from, you know, I don't know how much I was making back then, but let's say 300 a month or something like that. I'm making, you know, I'm mm-hmm. kind of making it up, but that's around there. Then I remember hitting 500 a month and telling my friend, like, yeah, man, I'm making 500 a month off of YouTube. Like, I thought that was a lot. Okay. And then, and now it's, you know, where it is, but. My the whole moral of the story, the lesson is that the moment you decide to go all in with something, that's when you see the results. Until you do that, yeah. you know, until people do that, they're never going to get to the levels they expect because they're not putting everything they have into something. So, when did mm-hmm. you have that moment where you said, "Okay, I'm going all in"? Um. So this was at a time where 
I was doing like some more entrepreneurial stuff. I was I had I was trying to do um, like online businesses. I started and failed some, did well in some, in like so many different things online, from like selling on eBay, uh, sorry, on Amazon, doing Facebook ads for clients, email marketing, all this kind of stuff. And I kind of just got really bored and tired of it. I started getting into music production. I spent about a year just trying to practice in that. And I first saw, I saw Pat Ryan pop up and I thought, okay, this is cool. This is sick. Like he's, he's just making a beat, but it, it just seems so cool. And then, but then I thought, maybe not. I don't want to be in front of the camera. Then I saw Sharp pop up doing it daily, just on it. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a thing now. I want to jump in on it. And then that's when I made the decision. I'm just going to go all in with YouTube um, I'm going to quit like all these other hustles that I was doing. I know it's not going to pay off for, could be a year, could be two years, could be three years. But I know if I just stick with it, then something could happen. So that's when I, I think there was, the point was definitely like some influence from Sharp, from Pat Ryan. Seeing that there is a niche for producers and then just deciding like, yeah, I'm going to do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you used a For lot sure. of keywords. So those who are initiated into this language know the words. So my men- did you- so I'm curious about your mentors and who you learn mm-hmm. from as far as like the internet marketing thing. Because I came from the house of um, Frank Kern. Kind of brought me in. Yeah, you, you you like Frank Kern? Yeah, I used to. I I tell you who I used to study. I used to study a lot of Frank Kern, um, a copywriter called Dan Kennedy, uh, Facebook ads guy. Uh, so many different Facebook ads guy. I can't even give you a name. Russell Brunson was a big one. Um, who else? There's a bunch of them, but I'd say that Russell Brunson was definitely a key one for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's really good that we can identify with a lot of stuff because in the beginning, I was just doing YouTube. Then I discovered mm-hmm. a mentor, Frank Kern, or actually started with Jeff Walker's book called Launch. You know, Jeff oh, Walker? Oh, yeah, the product launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I... I don't remember how I came across Jeff Walker, but I was trying to study success and like understand the secret to success. I always thought it was some secret group mm-hmm. or some secret society. Like I really didn't know. I was studying Masonic books and, uh, you know, Kabbalah books and all this type of wisdom stuff. Then I stumbled upon Jeff Walker, who taught me launch. And then I realized Jeff Walker had a team of other marketers, Frank Kern. Frank Kern's mentor is Dan Kennedy. And Russell Brunson's mentor is Dan Kennedy as well. And I didn't know about Russell until like the last year or two. I didn't really study up under him. But Frank Kern is what like he's the guy that like broke me into this whole thing. So after I learned from him, you know, it was kind of it was doing YouTube stuff kind of randomly. Then it was learn from Frank Kern. Then it was an explosion of the uh, what was I going to say the uh, darn. Oh, explosion of productivity. But um, darn, I lost my train of thought. Wait. Oh, my bad. bro. It's all good. We were talking about mentors. OK. And then I was yeah. talking about success. And then, darn, I was going to get to something else. It'll come back. But my point is that, like, once you find that mentor, somebody, oh, here's what I was going to say. Our history of, we tried internet stuff before. I used to do affiliate marketing for jewelry. I used to have this Mm -hmm. random blog about, like, (laughs) about (laughs) hip-hop jewelry. (laughs) Oh, man. And I learned from this random guy about how to use Google. And, like, it was called Google Sniper. And he was in the UK. And I studied from him. And. Studied mm-hmm. about SEO and all this type of stuff. And I made this blog about selling hip hop jewelry. And I made these videos with 50 Cent music under it. It was 
Yeah. And I somehow I was selling like thousands of dollars of jewelry with the crappiest blog, a fake like mm-hmm. persona. It was whack. And um, did I even use a picture of myself? I think I took a picture with like sunglasses on so nobody could know who I am. It was, but <laughs> but without that kind of like sharpening process, it, mm. it taught me that that's what gives you the edge right now. Is that my mentor told me, he's like, if your family asks you what you do, because it's hard to really describe what you do, like, to anybody. They're like, what do you do? And and you're like, well, I, I kind of teach. I kind of make music. I kind of have an online business. Yeah, I, kinda... so I, ju- I just say I'm a YouTuber, music producer, just to keep it super simple. <laughs> My mentor, he was like, tell people you're an internet marketer in whatever industry. So, like, you're an internet marketer mm. in the music industry. And those are the people I'm starting to see are the leaders of the industry, like yourself, Steven from Cymatics, um, you know, Curtis King. We all study this stuff and you have to yeah. if you want to become a leader. And it works. Yeah, for sure. for sure. I'd say like all those things that I learned doing all those random stuff online definitely helps now, for sure. Because I'm telling you, I did almost any way that you can make money online. I've probably done. I did the first thing I did was drop shipping. So you learn to set up a Shopify store. Then you realize, oh damn it, I need traffic. So you learn Google ads. Oh, Google ads is not working. I need some more traffic. You try Facebook ads. And then you realize, okay, I've got a customer base. I need to do email marketing. And then you go down that loophole. But yeah, I eventually, I'd, I'd done so much stuff, man. I did drop shipping, shut that down. And then. What did I do next? I was doing, I was like a middleman basically for content writing. I was basically sending like blog posts to people who needed it and just taking a cut. You talking about e-zine articles? Stuff like that, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I got you. I know, I know what you mean. Then I started selling t-shirts online, just like print on demand t-shirts, super random, all in French as well, just like running Facebook ads to this page. It's, it's almost like affiliate marketing, basically. Running Facebook ads to this page, people buying, and I just get a cut. Um, then I started doing sales funnels for clients. I, yeah, literally, I've just done, like, every every way to make money online, I've basically tried it. Mm-hmm. And all those skills you learn, uh, you know, from marketing, ads... Uh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Supply chain. And the difference is, for those type of businesses, is they don't control the product. And they don't have leverage. So, like, it's always a price game. Like, if you're selling mugs or if you're selling car keys, I mean, you can't sell car keys. That was a bad example. But if you sell <laughs> wallets, okay, if you sell wallets, um, it's like if you don't have a brand that makes that wallet, uh, like, want to be obtainable, it's just a price game. So, you're like, how cheap can they get the wallet? They're going to go from you to mm. the next vendor to the next it's a price thing. And a lot of people doing like drop shipping or affiliate marketing don't understand. Well, not even affiliate marketing, but drop shipping specifically don't understand that it just, you know, it's just going to, it's a price game to the bottom. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really just like an impulse thing. If people see the ads and they want to buy it, then you, you got a winner there, but it's all price. It, that's a very crazy kind of like world, the drop shipping game. Very crowded. Did you study like arbitrage and like deep market research? No. So, so the way how I did it, because I think now um, a lot of drop shopping, drop shipping is literally sourcing from AliExpress, putting that on your site, and then just doing the direct shipping from AliExpress. 
But the way how I did it before was um, I'd pick a random niche. So let's say keyboards. And then I'd, my website would be seen as like the keyboard expert. And then I list all these random keyboards from different manufacturers. So we have Yamaha, M-Audio, uh, Native Instruments. Then someone will buy from me. I'll email Native Instruments. I'll be like, send it to here. And I'll be the middleman in between, taking a cut that way. Okay, like a digital broker or like an agent, like real estate agent. Yeah, but I guess the, the only branding on that side is to be seen as like, this is the website for keyboards. Or there's, I didn't, I didn't do the keyboards. I, I can't even remember what I did. I did a few of them because a lot of them didn't work. Um, but yeah, that was the whole idea behind that one. Well, that's the whole idea behind like some major retailers like Sweetwater or Guitar Center. Do you guys mm-hmm. have those over there? No, we don't have Guitar Center. We've got like some other ones that are similar to... Oh, your violin center? <laughs> <laughs> like some random instrument center? <laughs> Trumpet center? No, because um, that's what they do. And I've done a lot of business with them as well. They take mm-hmm. a cut of whatever they sell, which is a smaller cut than a lot of people think. So that's why they have so much inventories because they only get, let's say, 30% of a product. So if the keyboard yeah. costs you know, 2000 bucks, they only get, uh, what's that? 60 if I'm doing my math right. So, I mean, you know, it's, it takes a lot of volume and a lot of transactions to even become profitable. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. long-term. So that's why you mentioned traffic is a big thing for affiliates. And that's the kind of, if that's why it's important to build your own brand, because if you have your own brand, you can get bigger margins. You can own more of the transactions and mm-hmm. you can do cool stuff. Like you said, off of, um, AliExpress, even deeper, you can go to Alibaba and let's say you wanted to create a merch line. You can get, you know, Chinese manufacturer or wherever to print out, you know, let's say 600 t-shirts for like, you know, less than a dollar each. So it costs you 400 bucks. They ship them to your house with the logos or whatever you put on it. And you get to sell mm-hmm. it under your brand, but you get to leverage the fact that they made the t-shirt. You could do the same thing for mugs, you know, um, whatever, any kind of thing you want to put your label on. But yeah, without a brand, people can't just stamp it like your Carl Kanai shirt. I'm sure somewhere in the world you can get a similar striped shirt, but it won't have the Carl Kanai on it. You can put mm-hmm. your brand name there and then stamp it. But nobody's going to buy your stamp because they're going to be like, why would I get yours when Carl Kanai made this look? You know, that's his look. Yeah. So that's kind of the game that a lot of people aren't exploring and that's why i'm glad you brought it up because do you think producers can get into that game of like drop shipping and and white labeling and all that type of stuff yeah for sure i think yeah definitely for sure for sure i think it's it's just really i still think the producer thing is new it's still like in the early stages like people are just starting to pop up pop off on youtube um but I think as time progresses and you're going to see like more of the evolution of just moving from straight up tutorials to more personal branded stuff, more just about the producer and their life and what they're doing, what they've got going on. It will move more into different directions of maybe not just selling a sample pack, but maybe being able to sell a keyboard or their own suite of plugins or 
a water bottle if they're known for drinking loads of water, you know? Patrick CC, I saw his exactly, talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. His own water bottles. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and a lot of people don't realize music is the advertisement for mm-hmm. that type of stuff. They think music is the product. No. Like, once you change your mindset to realize that... I'm doing music videos because I'm wearing my shirt in the music video. I'm going to my venue that I own the real estate at. I'm, you know, telling a story of like, you know, rags to riches story. That's what I'm selling. Not the song that you're listening to. It's just the song surpasses, you know, our brain's barriers. And it goes into our subconscious mind without even like realizing. We just hear stuff. We don't realize it's actually being implanted into our brain. And that's that's what music is. I don't think people are doing that enough. So that's why I was exploring with you. Since you have more experience, what do you think producers will do to kind of expand into these micro niches like Illmind? You familiar with Illmind? Yeah, yeah. I actually went to one of his um, his Black events last year. Really? Where was it at? Yeah. He came to London. He did two two sessions in London last year. That is nuts. Because he, he goes in Europe in summer, so he came. That's nuts. I didn't know he went overseas yet. Yeah. See, he he does it well. So he has, you know, merch. He has the physical. I think you can literally buy like a box for him for like 700 bucks. Right? Um, yeah. Like a black kit yeah. box, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. He has sweaters. and I have one in the other room. I have two sweaters of his. Uh, and he has these new black god. Uh, oh, yeah. The chains. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And he's leveraging all these different points to be different. And I feel like producers just aren't exploring those ways to be different. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Is, is that something that you want to do? Um, this year, I did want to create a merch line. However, um, it's not that due to the... Because I will say, side note, for those who are kind of currently listening to this, maybe not in the future, but currently, back in like November, supply chains were kind of weak between China and America because they were their workers weren't going to the factories because they were sick back then, but nobody told anybody. So the supply chain, meaning like getting you your T-shirts would take longer because nobody was at the factory. So -hmm. you have a bunch of people ordering T-shirts, but they can't get them. So that was a problem. And that happened back in November from another friend's business. And um, long story short, they have workers in the factories now, which means they're recovering from this thing over in China. So it's it's kind of alarming when all of your product or all of your source material comes from one place and you can't control if that place goes down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying to leverage um, other people's assets, other people's access and other people's resources like, you know, creating a mer- like this uh, hoodie I have on actually is um, the raw material that I'm going to use for my merchandise that I plan to draw out. I already have a logo. I already have all this stuff. I'm just trying to find screen printers that are local that I can work yeah. with. Because okay. di- I know I'm kind of talking your head off, but direct to print. If you have like a gradient graphic, it may not have the highest quality because of just the way direct to print is. Mm-hmm. I, tr- I tried to have an automated direct to print thing with a fulfillment house and all that type of stuff. The issue was that the designs I had were not good for direct to print. So now I have to do it the long way, which is find us a, a uh, screen printer company who can handle like certain silk screen printing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you get it's so cheap. Like, I I want to tell people how to do this because it's like, why aren't we doing this? Like, if you yeah. made your own merch line, I would buy it. If somebody else made it, I'd buy theirs. Like, create mm-hmm. our, cre- 
the whole goal i know i'm kind of talking all over the place is to create a producer economy like everybody has their own products that we only buy from each other that's what keeps the Mm -hmm. money within the producer community and like you know for example software i went to the isotope headquarters up in what i heard a let me make sure everything's straight on my end hold up uh okay i'm still recording okay i had to check but i went to uh, the isotope headquarters maybe they're tapping into the computer no but uh isotope headquarters over in cambridge massachusetts and i saw sectors of like 30 plus people and none of those people look like any music producers i see online is my point and i'm like Mm. at the end of the day they're making these products for us but when does the money come back to us we're just giving them our money and never comes back opportunity doesn't Mm. come back money doesn't come back so it's like why are we supporting companies that never give us back anything they just take 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 just because they have a good product yeah so in order to build a civilization if you had corn that you uh, you know grew from the ground and you just gave everybody else your corn and you're out of food you so there's no there's not going to be any corn left so we have to yeah. get stuff from other places and bring it back like if we're going to give them corn they need to give us tomatoes there needs to be an even exchange and uh so that's that's the plan that i have for software for for merchandise it's like let's build this entire economy for media like producer grind is our mtv period yeah you for sure yeah. <laughs> like that is our breakfast club that's our what's another big uh media outlet over in the uk ITV or BBC yeah (laughs) yeah BBC like that's our BBC and they're going to be the number one of that thing and then once we grow you know a community we'll have other people who can also do media Um, Mm -hmm. so I mean literally just building from the ground up for producers by producers that's the vision that I have but it takes more leaders it takes people like yourself it takes the group that I you know uh, introduce everybody within to all kind of do what they're doing on a high level so that we can all help each other out in the you know yeah. the bigger vision. So yeah, I, th- I think to answer your question, I know I was long, long winded, <laughs> but to answer your question, I do think uh, the producer community is in that infant stage, like you said. And if we just make the conscious decision to say, okay, I'm only going to buy from people I know. Like mm-hmm. if you came out with a kit, I'm only going to buy your kit. I'm not going to buy the native instruments kit. Why? Because they don't ever produce jobs for me. They don't ever bring me back opportunity and, you know, whatever else. So you look at every company and just ask the question, when do they ever give back to the producer community? They don't. It's terrible. Like, I know I'm kind of ranting and I realize it. So forgive me. But for your kids, I'm sure you've had companies come to you. Right. And they'll be like, hey, we just came out with a new plug in. Review it. Here's a free. Yeah, 100 percent. It happens. It happens almost on a daily basis, to be fair, you know. People, new new companies popping up, reaching out, can you try this out, can you do this? Some talk business and want to offer you money. But, you, yeah, you just always have to weigh up. Is it, is it worth your time? Is it actually a good plug-in that my audience would enjoy? All these things. And a lot of times, I'll say only 10% is, is worth it, and even then... Maybe it's not worth it. There's a lot of fl- fluff, I guess you could say. Because people see that now the music, in the, sorry, the producer community is starting to like grow 
and there's money to be made, people are just making like really quick things just to make a quick buck. Making these plugins that have already been made, done a lot better, but just making it for the sake of it just to, yeah, to make a quick buck, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I've done so much business with these top companies. Again, for those who don't know, we've trained over 600,000 producers around the world. We've worked with the top companies like Universal Audio, Arturia, Isotope, ImageLine, who made FL Studio. Um, you know, Sweetwater, $600 million company. Razor, billion-dollar company. They were valued at $5 billion at one time. Um, you know, who else have we worked with? All the top companies. So my point is, behind the scenes, if you look at the business deals these companies do... Even some of the top companies, not the names I just mentioned, because those are all the good guys, but <laughs> some of the top companies just do terrible business. And I'm looking at them like, how are you doing worse business than people like Steven from Cymatics? Mm-hmm. Like somebody who just started in the business thing. It just blows my mind. And I think we can honestly, even if it's like a notch down, meaning if we develop our own software and it's not, okay, it might not be Omnisphere right now. But if we start somewhere near Omnisphere, create our own software, we're going to own the market because we naturally have this sincerity and genuine concern for the producer community. Whereas these other companies are just trying to make something to sell and then they take all your money and never give it back. They just run away and get rich and just peace, you know? Yeah, for sure. And so I I would rather use my friend's plugin than pulling up some company that may have a superior plugin but you know it they never give back. I'd rather pull up my friend's sound kits, same thing. So I really stand by that and hopefully, you know, a lot more leaders can see that as well who listen to your podcast. Yeah, for sure. I think as you said, there's definitely a lot of those companies that are doing bad business, definitely just trying to take advantage for sure, of of the producers. Because I think as well, because it's so new, a lot of producers... I can't speak on everyone, but just from the conversations I've had with other producers doing this as well, they don't know how to, to value themselves. So they definitely, like, really undercharge and that kind of leads into, like, a... How can I put it? Undercutting? Yeah, definitely a lot of undercutting, I'd say. So here's, I'm glad you you brought up this aspect. So for any YouTube creator who was in the producer community, I want you, if a company comes to you and says, hey, we're about to give you this free thing, instead of taking the free, take an affiliate commission. And here's why I say affiliate commission instead of a flat fee. It's because in order for you to understand the amount of money you generate, you have to literally see the statistics. So once you get an affiliate commission, let's say you start at 70%, that means every single person that you send to their website to buy, you get 70% of that sale. So for example, I did this for a big retailer and I saw how much money I was generating for this retailer. So now I'm going to say, okay, now I know I generate this from this amount of videos. You can start calculating a price per video or you could just negotiate a percentage of the sales. So instead of like trying to guess your worth, like I'm, I guess a video is worth 500 bucks. If you start off with an affiliate commission, you can say, okay, I generated $20,000 for this company for three videos, divide 20,000 by three, that gives you roughly 7,000 bucks. So now you can negotiate, okay, to give them a little room because they need profit too. They just can't, you know, some smart companies don't worry about upfront profit, but that's a different conversation. 
So let's say you want to give them 5K profit. So now you're like, okay, 2K a video. I know you guys make $7,000 every video I make about your company. I want 2,000. That's 30%. So mm -hmm. that's we need the numbers to understand our value. And then once we have our value, then we can, you know, negotiate per the, you know, per each company. So, yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, YouTubers stop getting... Because I, I was fighting hard behind the scenes. And I consider it like legitimate business rape when companies go out there and they just say, hey, we'll give you a free copy if you generate us $50,000, you know, of, it's called goodwill in business. They basically mm -hmm. are capitalizing on the fact that like YouTubers are creating so much content that they are building a relationship with the audience and then they don't monetize it right away. So these companies are looking for young audiences who are like 50,000 plus subscribers, but don't have a product yet. And they give them the product for free and then that company makes a crazy amount of money because all those people are waiting to give you money. They just don't have a way to give you money. So the mm -hmm. companies can recognize that and they just take tens of thousands of dollars away from these channels. And it's like, it's rape. It's business rape. Yeah. And I've been behind sure. the scenes from 2018 to now um, trying to make it, trying to stop that from happening. And that's why I made the mastermind group with like 50 plus top leaders in this industry because we're going to put a stop to this bad business that's overtaking the producer community. And that's kind of why I'm going on this campaign. I, I said I was running for producer president <laughs> to uh, really to bring awareness to, you know, make people more money, get them more placements, create this hyper accelerated business environment to where we can start having media outlets, having our own brands and merch, you know, start doing a live event circuit. Like we can do so much bigger stuff if we just come, come together. together. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like my, uh, you know, slogan, you know, mm -hmm. I really stand do by you, Do you do your, your thing by yourself? Do you run Busy Works Beats all by yourself or do you have a team with you? Um, I have a team of four core customer support folks and they are Jenna, uh, Stefan, I have Dana and I have Ayana all working remotely in different states. I have two in Pennsylvania, one in DC and uh, another one uh, in uh, Atlanta going to Texas. So, you know, we're, we're working remote, so it's a different, ex we can talk about the team thing. Do you have a team? No, I just do this by myself. Okay. So you don't get like thousands of emails where you have to answer every single day? N not on that level. No, 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 Okay. That, that, gonna... that sounds crazy. Thousands of, of emails to be answering. Then you're definitely going to need the team. Yeah. Cause I got to give them credit cause they literally run the, the backend customer support and email side of the business. And mm -hmm. again, I don't want to go so deep, so I'll just kind of keep it short is that in order work on your business, not in your business. Yeah. And the more, you know, your time is valued, you can start delegating at a pretty fair price. So if you make $100 an hour, it's probably not the smartest thing to do a $20 an hour task. It's better that you delegate it and make $80 profit than to do that $20 task because then you're maxing out at 20 bucks versus 80. So in terms of your of like your content and YouTube, do you do it all yourself though or do you have some people helping you as well? Oh, good question. Yeah. So I have a core team of those four uh customer mm -hmm. support. Those that's my like team team. I pay them a salary so to speak. And then I have people who help me kind of like as subcontractors. So I have a video editor right now. His name is Yo-Yo808. He works with uh, I'm Dante on YouTube. Are you familiar with I'm Dante? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah if you know Patrick CC, you know I'm Dante. Right? Yeah. 
And uh, so he he worked under him, was a fan, and reached out, and, and it was a cool exchange. So we're working with him every now and again for the videos that require editing, because most of them I just hit record and stop, and that's it. Yeah. Um, who else is on my team? I have a like a dynamic team. So I have content contributors. I have a team of. I used to have a graphics team. I have a graphics uh, manager at this time for my software projects. I have a, a, a project manager for my software stuff and moving parts. So I guess the key when you're building a team is have a core team that's going to always be there no matter what, which is probably customer support, and then have managers for these other things that you want to do. So if you guys want to get into merch, find a merch manager. And I don't mean like a music business manager who's going to go out and get deals. I'm talking about somebody who can manage an idea from beginning to end so that you don't have to worry about it all the time and you can go do your thing focus on the videos and the content while they do the background it's like their business you're just you know being uh, you're taking advantage of their skills in a good way yeah so yeah i have a lot of moving parts um that, but yeah as a core team for and again subcontractors um yeah who else is on my team every time somebody asks me i say uh yeah content team software team I'll just break it down like this. I have a content team, software team, a sound team. Um, I do the sounds majority of my uh, majority of the time, but I'm recruiting another sounds team that can do the sound design. And I have a yeah, customer support team. So we're getting tons of uh, mastermind notifications. I wonder what yeah, you're talking about. I should have I should, uh, switched it off beforehand, but no, I'm, I'm just what it is. seeing it pop up. I, I don't know what they're talking about, but uh, yeah, man. And I just want to thank you for, being a part of this because i saw you had some conversations um as well with the other folks do you like the people in there i mean are you are they friendly yeah you? yeah no it's 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 a great a great community a great thing that you're building there for sure um been talking to, to some guys about different projects and stuff collaborating and that um was i was talking to someone about hopefully doing some software in the future but i think I'm going to concentrate on some other stuff. I'll come back to that in a, in a bit, but yeah, there's a lot of potential there. Like, there's a lot of things that can happen from that group. It's a very powerful group, I guess. It's like a, it's, it's, it, the way how we're talking about it, it seems like some sort of <laughs> Illuminati background kind of, kind of group or something. True. It, I mean, it is, but we're like a good Illuminati, put it that way. There, it's a very powerful people in that group. Like, and I want the people watching or listening to understand that these things do exist. But what's important is that the people's intentions are pure. And what I mean by pure is that they're for you, towards you, in your benefit. I would not be gathering around people who were just trying to milk the community and like do a money grab and run. Like that's the last, those are the last type of people I want to be around. So we have the, uh, you know, they call them the captains of the industry or the masters of the industry all in one group. And we, we syndicate ideas. We syndicate products. Like, for example, if you were to come out with your own software, we would get it on my YouTube channel, on some, you know, a lot of the other guys' YouTube channels. We would talk about it in our emails. And when all these people focus on one thing at a time, it becomes massive. Like Frank Kern talks, talks about uh, his um, $18 million launch when he launched... Um, uh, what was that website called? It was some like uh, subscription website. Was it like the dog training or? Nah, not the dog training oh. one. He did a bigger one after that. Uh, it was he was like a joint partner. Okay. Oh, I forget the name of the website. 
Um, but anyway, it was like $800 a month to join and all this. They made 18 million. He made alone 18 million off the launch of one website. Why? Because he partnered up with all the other top guys in the industry. So that's kind of what we're trying to create is, is this masterful circle of people who can get it done. And, and, and that's what I mean. Like, ah, man, there's so much potential and, there's so much opportunity for producers. That's why, you know, we encourage you to make videos. We encourage you to become a face because if you become, if they become a leader, then they can be invited to this group and we can create on a higher level, you know, and get stuff like actually done. So, yeah. What one thing I get from you when I'm talking to you is that you're very passionate about business as well, not just making music and making beats. Do you say, would you say like you have to try and find a balance between the two or you're definitely more one way than the other? Mm-hmm. Good question. And this is what I respect about you because I didn't know about the business background that you had, like the training. Now, now we can have a deeper conversation. So I respect people who do have that. And um, I'm trying to think percentage of music versus business. I'd say it's always business. So it's 100 percent business <laughs> and yeah. music sometimes 20% of the time or less like to be fair Mm -hmm. but you need something that can creatively stimulate your mind because if like do you use loops yeah Yeah. you ever have that feeling of like when you use loops and like it's too easy to make a beat it like frustrates you does that make sense sometimes I see what you're saying you're, you, I see what you're saying. <laughs> you export and you're like, that wasn't even fun. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, we all need When that. you make the beat in like five minutes, just whack on some <laughs> drums and that's it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, did I even do anything? I didn't even feel like I made anything. And that's going to happen over and over and over again, especially in content if it's too easy to make. And uh, sorry, all these things are popping up on my screen. But I'd say business is the core of everything because I wouldn't just be doing it to do it. Like I wouldn't just be doing music just to be doing music. Like music mm-hmm. is a, a means to an end, meaning like I'm using it to fuel a bigger picture thing. And that's just the way I see it. You know, like I, for example, I'm so obsessed that I will record whatever I'm doing in my DAW. Cause I'm like, this could be used for some kind of content. I'm not going to just turn off all cameras and just start making beats for fun. Because I'm like, well, I'm wasting okay. my time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So every time you make a beat, you're always recording. Most of the time. Or like, I'll do something because mm. I feel like at least let's make something out of the moment. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. So I not feel all the that. time, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like majority of the time. Yeah. What about, so how do you see it now that you've had that background and you've actually been in the trenches? How mm-hmm. do you know? How do you balance? Um. It ebbs and flows that I feel like some months I'm a bit more business focused. Maybe I'm releasing a kit, so I want to put things in place so so I can launch it. And then sometimes I don't push business. Like I don't really care as much. As long as like I've got my bases covered, I just want to make good music. Then, yeah, sometimes I just focus all on music. Um, I'm still trying to find like a good balance. I think right now it just like swings from side to side. Um, I get what you're saying though sometimes it's just it when you look at it really it's all business but I really enjoy more of just like the creation process like I would, I would consider myself a music nerd in a way 
Like today, for example, I didn't even make beats. I was literally just trying to figure out certain chord progressions, trying to get into music theory, get deeper into the music theory and figure out why does this sound good and feel like this? How do I do this? Just trying to figure it out for hours, picking up the guitar and just trying to play it. But yeah, it's definitely swings back and forth because some days I might just want to get deeper into Facebook ads. But that, that's the good thing as well, that we have the freedom to, to do this kind of thing. We can switch from being super musical to tapping in on the more business side and the marketing side of things. Mm-hmm. Like that time freedom, until it's stripped from us, we don't realize like how valuable just being able to wake up and do whatever you want is, even though you yeah, gotta work. Sure. You gotta work mm-hmm. at some point, but like that we forget until we see somebody who's complaining constantly about their job or something like that. Um, and, you know, going back to the business versus like music thing is, oh, I had a, a different an, uh, epiphany when you were talking. I had like another angle of it come in and, and I should have said it before I lose my thought. I'm an Aries, so like my thoughts escape like very fast yeah what, what what's aries in april yeah i'm an april uh child what about yourself okay taurus may okay i see right after yeah. okay the uh the bull and the goat clashing horns yeah the no apparently taurus is known to be very stubborn <laughs> headstrong yeah for sure it's a different way of saying it I'm trying to think what I was going to say, though, about music versus uh, let's just I'll go into my like thought. Maybe it'll pull up. So some days I'll just be doing. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Business is a imagine it as a car or a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just the vehicle. It's just the frame. It's just the tires and whatever else. But, you know, you have to get in. You have to have an input, which is fuel. And that fuel for you, the thing that pulls you to action is music because that's your natural what's called a calling and in church, uh, did you come up like in the church and all that? Not really. When well, the Christian church, they, they always use the words calling and like your assignment and all these things. I never understood what calling was. All mm-hmm. it means is something is calling you towards it. So it means that something's pulling you towards it. So that's inspiration mm-hmm. is when you're pulled towards something. You don't have to like be forced to do anything. Motivation yeah. is when you're pushed, when, when you have a general behind you and they're like, all right, I'm going to push you into action. They're going to like give you this fuel to literally push you towards something. And mm-hmm. so imagine, you know, the business is a vehicle. You need the fuel and the fuel is your inspiration. So that's when you're you're inspired to study the music. You're inspired to break down the chord progressions and figure out the, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Voicing on the guitar and how to like go from chord to chord, chord transitions, key modulation, all that type of stuff. That's your fuel. So that you can have stuff to actually run. Because a lot of people are building the structure of a business like a nice Ferrari. It looks cool because you got your click funnels and you got your, you know, the page that in theory converts at 80%. But it's like, where's the fuel? Where's the traffic? Where's the product? You know, a lot of people are missing the product and they're missing the traffic. But we can, you know, have a more businessy conversation, I guess, in the future. Now that I know that you're more business minded, at least, you know, you're trained business minded yeah we'll we'll talk deeper for sure (laughs) but literally people the biggest thing i see though is a lot of youtubers don't have product so it's like okay you got this whole business going but where's your they're not making the product good enough 
and that's the problem. I feel I feel like a lot of YouTubers in the beginning though don't really realize that or don't don't see the transition of where it does become a business. It's just something they maybe started as a hobby, just started putting out content and then it started doing well. And then they kind of struggle to do that transition because I I also think as well not everyone is very entrepreneurial. And and business minded and actually, maybe wants to make a product that makes money. Some people are just cool with ah, it's all right. Like I just keep doing what I'm doing. I don't really care about that side. I feel like um, business business minded people have a certain I don't know something like they have that entrepreneurial spirit within them. Very true. Like it's analogous to video gaming. Right, so you have people like myself. Like I play, I'll play Call of Duty. Do you have Call of Duty? I used to play it. I haven't played that in years. Uh, do you play games anymore? I used to. I used to. The, the, to be honest, the only game that I play now is FIFA. Oh, you're a FIFA guy. Okay. Yeah. So it's like video games. You like playing FIFA. I like playing Call of Duty. It's like I'm good, but like, do mm-hmm. I want to play with? The, you know how like sometimes they'll have these online. Oh, is your camera about to? No, no, it's all good now. Okay. Uh, so, for example, they'll have these online leagues to where you can play people who are, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not paid, but, like, they're just really good. It's almost not fun to play in those, like, competitive leagues because it's, like, they're too good. It takes the fun out of the game. And then, yeah. and then there's a level where it's, like, competitive and they get paid. So, I think of it like video gaming. You could have a channel where you just play video games, chill with your friends, or you could do it competitively on the next level, or you can start earning money and be competitive, or you can be like the top video gamers who are competitive, they make money, and they have their own uh, gamer chairs, they have their gamer mouses, mice, mm-hmm. they have their you know gamer headsets, and they, they start maximizing the money that they're making. So, it depends. Yeah. So, I think ultimately... It comes down to do people want to make money? Like, is this something that. And a lot of people surprisingly don't. Well, maybe it's not surprising, but a lot of people don't. They don't care about that. I feel like those who do want to make money, they've always kind of had that instinct or that thing within them. Like, as you were saying before, you started doing your, your thing back in college when you had your fraternity and that. You was probably you was probably hustling from before, doing some sort of entrepreneurial thing even before that. That like I feel like you definitely see that kind of trend or that something where those who are entrepreneurs now and making money now, they've always had that in them. I, I can speak for myself. Like I was I was selling sweets in the playground from young, just trying to make money. So I love that. Now that you said that, you pull back so many memories. I used to sell candy at school, buy it for a dollar, sell it for four at school. I used to, yeah. uh, I used to sell uh, wooden necklaces called Goodwood necklaces. From anyway, I made like a small profit from reselling things. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is: Yeah, there is an entrepreneurial DNA. It's actually built into your zodiac, believe it or not. But before we get into all that, um. What do you think about people who <clears throat> they want to make money, but they don't want to run their own business? Like, for example, a, a pro gamer who wants to make money while they're playing games, but they don't want to have to do the, deal with the headaches of customer service and all that. Type mm. of, they just want to be hired to play games and that's it. Yeah, that's like that's like the typical 
music artist that just wants to make music all day and obviously wants to make money but just doesn't want to deal with all the business headaches and that. Um, I feel at some point you kind of have to embrace that. You have to kind of embrace that business side, that, that making money side. I, there's a lot of stigma behind it as well. It, people think, oh, it's dirty. Like, I don't want to sell something. I don't want to be that salesperson. That's so unnatural. That's so yuck. But you have, to, you have to embrace it. You need to understand at least how it works. Because if you don't, that's where things can really go wrong. That's where you hear stories of people getting screwed. And you can also bring a creative element to your business side as well. If you're, if you're that person who just wants to be totally creative and do all the art stuff, you can find a, a meeting point between the two. What do you think okay. about that? True. I think that's what separates... Um, I think... Oh, I know what happens. Sorry, my hard drive keeps disconnecting. That's what this noise I keep hearing is. Um, I think that the, the best business people are creative folks who creatively use the same to okay for example russell brunson there's mm-hmm. only three steps to business traffic uh product and follow-up but he creatively figured out a way to take those three components but create this very complex structure around the three things so for example if you had three sounds a kick drum a hi-hat and a snare i know how to take the hi-hat and make it into like a lead sound by zooming in all the way and looping the waveform and then making that another instrument i know how to go inside the snare make it shorter high pass filter it make it a hi-hat i know how to go inside the kick zoom into the waveform take a waveform out and make a bass line so like you can take three core things and make this complexity around it but you have to know how to break the three things into micro components and that's what mastery is russell brunson knows how to he even has a book coming out uh, traffic secrets have you heard of it no i didn't know he was releasing that i know he's got the dot-com secrets and the expert secrets already mm-hmm. oh he's coming out with another one called traffic secrets okay so basically we're taking the three steps of business traffic product follow-up we're taking traffic and we're going to divide it up a million times so i'm going to show yeah. you a million different things you could do within that one thing and that's what mm. creates creativity in anything like in business and music theory and you name it so so that's that's kind of interesting my gist cool yeah if people do not know where to find you for some reason whatsoever (laughs) let people know where they can find you google uh busy b-u-s-y busy works beats just google it and then you know we have a gazillion things that could you know you can find your interest in Cool, man. Well, th- thanks for coming on the podcast. I think like, we got quite deep in, in the business and and things like that. Not just the typical music producer talks. For sure. Like this, that's why I, that's why I can tell you had something in you. I didn't know everything about you, but I knew enough to know that you were solid. So I can't wait to have that conversation again. And again, everybody subscribe to Ocean's New Podcast and, uh, and the YouTube channel. I just found out that like the other day you had a YouTube and the podcast Mm -hmm. yeah two different ones yeah yeah subscribe to both and um yeah just thumbs up the video let us know how we can be of service to you and um it's game from busyworksbeats.com and that's it for this podcast right here with busyworksbeats a very insightful conversation he's definitely super super duper knowledgeable he drops a lot of gems a lot of food for thought i hope you find it valuable but yeah until next time stay safe stay good 
and I'll see you or you hear from me in the next podcast.